Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. And you want to prepare your body for these just as if you were going to go have knee surgery or do a long race. There's learning how to breathe, different positions, ways to strengthen, ways to relax, and then your recovery. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Thank you for clicking play and joining me here for another episode. I'm having so much fun in season four. I don't know about you. I would love to hear from you because this is the thing about podcasting. I'm in my office, the door's closed, there's no noise around me. But I don't get to hear from you in specific comments or your likes, and your reviews are what let me know what you think of the podcast. I want to share this review because it really stood out for me in terms of my goals of what I wanted to do when I started this podcast back in 2019. This comes from Sarah KM7. Sarah says, I follow Dr. Tracy on Instagram, and when I found these podcasts, they helped me so much. They have great advice and make me remember that I'm not alone. Mm, Sarah, this is exactly why I started this podcast. So thank you for pausing to share this with me. And I want to take that moment just to remind you as you listen, maybe you've got the kids strapped, buckled into their seats and you're having this moment for yourself. Maybe you're out for a walk and you're stacking it with listening to a podcast, or maybe you're just lying on your floor and you've clicked play because maybe you too want to connect with your pelvic floor. But when I started this podcast in 2019, I remember thinking, I want others to not feel so alone. I want them to know this common humanity that we all have in terms of feeling pain, in terms of struggling in life. And oftentimes I sit with clients and I think, I wish you could have seen the client before you. I wish you knew the person I saw last week because you're not alone in your struggle. Today I'm sitting with Sarah Reardon. She is a doctor of physical therapy, board certified women's health and pelvic floor therapist and mom of two. She is the founder of the Vagina Whisperer, an online program with workouts for your pelvic floor and core during pregnancy, postpartum and beyond. She lives in her hometown of New Orleans and owns and works at NOLA Pelvic Health, 
a pelvic floor physical therapy clinics for all genders. Let's go into today's episode. Dr. Sarah, thank you for joining me here on the podcast. I'm so glad that we get this chance to sit together, especially as I have been a longtime follower of your Instagram space, The Vagina Whisperer. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Why don't we start with the, the question I always dread when people ask this to me, but I have to start with this. Tell us three things about you. Well, this is a tougher than you would think. Um, I so know. I am a twin. I have a twin sister who lives in Chicago. She has nothing to do with the pelvic floor or medical um, care. She works in business. I am a mom. I have two boys who are five and seven, and they keep me very, very busy. And I love talking about the pelvic floor and vaginas. <laughs> so those are my three things. I I love it. And you know, it's funny, actually, I was looking through your reels recently and just the, the one with your costume. So if listeners have not met Dr. Sarah, please go check her out. I will have the links here, but you have this costume that is just so amazing because I think one of the things that I commonly hear from the women I work with is I don't know my body. I don't know the proper names to use. I don't know the terms. I don't know where my clitoris is. And I love the education that you're sharing. And it's pretty neat. So our children are the same age. And my daughter, she's the youngest. I just love when she walks around and uses the word vulva, right? Because she's literally using the right term. And we say these things like they're just, we're talking about a nose. We're talking about the vulva. It doesn't matter, right? They're all body parts. Absolutely. And I think that's so great that you're doing this with her. And, and I really do something similar with my children. And one of it is this is daily conversation for me. So I have been a pelvic floor physical therapist for 16 years now. It's the only type of therapy I've done in uh, my career. And I've worked with thousands of patients. And I think one of the common things or two common things that I often hear are, why didn't I know that this type of therapy existed sooner? And why aren't we educating people about our body sooner? Because oftentimes people end up seeing me in my clinic or doing my online program after they've suffered with issues for years, whether that's urinary leakage or painful intercourse or pooping problems. And I think if we're able to just start talking about this part of our body and normalizing the conversation around much sooner, similar to how you're doing with your daughter, then it takes away a lot of the stigma of, you know, who do I talk to about these things? Is it okay to talk about them? Is it, you know, it feels embarrassing. I feel ashamed. Um, so I think that it starts really young by just having these conversations. Like this is another part of our body. Like you had back pain or an ankle sprain. Yes, absolutely. And really just normalizing, not just normalizing talking about this part of our body, but also normalizing seeking care and treatment. I, I made a joke with a, a friend recently, we're both mothers and it's like, oh yeah, you know, the, the dentist asks if we floss and it's like, right, got to add the flossing, the daily flossing on the list of all the things to do, right? And like our pelvic floor can sometimes be the same thing. Okay. So, but let's back up because I want to make sure listeners are on the same page with us. What is your pelvic floor. Absolutely. And it feels like a really kind of mystical part of our body because again, we haven't really been educated about it. So your pelvic floor muscles are a basket of muscles that sit at the very base of your pelvis. So we're all very familiar with what a bony skeleton looks like. And you've got your hip bones and your sit bones. And at the very bottom of that ring of bones is a basket of muscles that attaches from the front to the back and side to side. And it sits like a hammock. So this hammock of muscles supports your pelvic organs, like your uterus, your ovary, 
ovaries, your rectum, which holds poop, your bladder, which holds urine in male bodies, it holds the prostate and, um, it supports those organs all throughout the day. And especially during pregnancy with a growing fetus. And then it also has, um, muscle sphincters, which help keep in urine and poop until we're able to get to the restroom in time, ideally to empty. And then also has the vaginal vaginal opening in female bodies for menstruation, intercourse, and vaginal birth. So really important functions. And it's wild that we don't really educate folks in this part of our body or that we don't know where to go get help if something is wrong with any of these systems. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Factor. There are many times in the week when I need to phone it in for dinner. It's been a full day of clients, the kids are having big feelings, or I'm just tired. But I don't just want to reach for fast food. I want something that is delicious, ready to eat, affordable, and includes a nutritious meal. And factors ready to eat meals, snacks like my go-to midday bites and smoothies all meet what I am looking for. Factors pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals are delivered right to your door. It doesn't get any easier than that. And I love that they have over 35 different options a week to choose from. And they have over 55 nutrition packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. Something I'm really conscious about right now is my budgeting around food. So Factor has done the math for us and it is less expensive than takeout and it doesn't compromise on nutrition and taste. Plus, there's so much flexibility. You can choose from six to 18 meals per week and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Join me and take the extra load out of meal prep and menu planning. Head to factormeals.com slash INYS50 and use the code they've gifted to my community, INYS50, to get 50% off. That's code INYS50 at factormeals.com slash INYS50 and save 50% off and make this week's meal planning and menu so much easier. I think that's something that really strikes me is the seeking help piece. And a lot of women in my community will say, okay, I am eight months postpartum. And every time I go to have intercourse with my partner, I am experiencing pain. And we can talk about the fear pain cycle and the psychological piece. And at the same time, my number one recommendation is always go see a pelvic floor physiotherapist because they will be able to do the assessment and we can look at how, as you're saying, how this basket is working for you. So what are some of the common challenges that mothers will see during pregnancy or postpartum? So I think if we even just start during pregnancy, obviously our body's going through a lot of changes and we get these emails or text messages every week about your baby's the size of an avocado, then it's the size of a cantaloupe, and then it's the size of a watermelon. Well, if we think of this hammock of muscles supporting those different fruits or vegetables at different weeks, that hammock of muscles stretches, gets a little weaker, sinks a little bit lower. So just the act of pregnancy can weaken your core, your abdominal muscles, and your pelvic floor muscles. And then you also have little joints in your pelvis that are getting loosey-goosey to accommodate your growing baby. So that can lead to back pain or pubic bone pain, sacroiliac joint pain, or sciatica. So again, these are things that people have often found um, common 
And then I think the narrative has been like, oh, this is just part of pregnancy. You have to deal with it when that's not the case. Physical therapists and pelvic floor physical therapists definitely help treat these issues. And we can also help prevent them from getting worse and persisting postpartum. We also help a lot of folks prepare for childbirth. You know, I say that giving birth is like running a marathon. You don't just go run a marathon without training. Like you want to train your body. It's typically a, you know, multi-day event. Or if you have a cesarean birth, you may have major surgery. And you want to prepare your body for these just as if you were going to go have knee surgery or, you know, do a long race. There's learning how to breathe, different positions, ways to strengthen, ways to relax, and then your recovery. Um, oftentimes it's, you know, painful intercourse, urinary leakage, abdominal separation, a condition called pelvic organ prolapse. These are really common conditions after giving birth, but yet we aren't told to go see a physio right away. We kind of say, oh, let's just see if they get better. Maybe they never do. Maybe they do, but it should be kind of integrated into our maternal health care to check in with the physical therapist after birth to help overcome these issues that are so common. It's interesting when I think of um, different um, delivery methods, I'm curious, do you recommend equally as important for a cesarean and or vaginal? I think what's important about birth and the birthing process is that the patient, so the individual, feels like they are part of the decision-making process. So if they're like, listen, this is my history, or this is, you know, how my fertility journey, or this is how my pregnancy's been, or my previous births, you know, they may have a preference as to how they give birth and working with their medical provider about what feels safest for them and for baby. However, I think what I often hear and feel happens in our medical community is that patients feel like passengers. They feel like decisions are just being made around them. They're not given choices. They're not part of the conversation that things are happening to them. And that can be really traumatic for people. And so, you know, I often encourage folks to get a doula, which can be a support person, but that's costly and it's not um, available to everyone. Um, but I do think that I work with patients to and their medical providers to kind of discuss what are the optimal birthing methods and should we try a certain way? And if you try for a vaginal birth, what are some optimal positions for labor to progress, to minimize perineal tearing, to optimize pushing so that you're not holding your breath and straining for hours? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a cesarean birth, like teaching them literally how to get out of bed, how to hold their baby, how to take a poop <laughs> afterwards, yes. you know, just the basics of care that I think are often overlooked, but um, yeah, I think it's definitely patient dependent, but I do tend to have more of a less is more approach when it comes to um, birthing babies. And I find that what is missed in, and maybe I'll speak from my own experience is that I wasn't, so my first birth was a cesarean and my second, a, a VBAC. And so it was interesting because after my C-section, I thought, oh no, I'm fine. I don't need to go see anyone. And when I look back, how helpful it would have been to do some of the exercises to look after this part of my body versus kind of the dismissing, I'm okay. This will just heal on its own. This is what is supposed to happen, which I think is kind of the narrative that many women tell me they'll see their medical providers and the message is, this is just part of postpartum. This is just part of your healing. And then, so again, that woman, that mother will go until eight months, two years having pain during intercourse. 
uh, urinary incontinence, right? So it's like, ah, just the messaging behind that of it can be different for you. It's interesting because I had really incredible births and I had really easy postpartum recoveries. And I think that that's where I fell. I was like, okay, I've worked with women for a decade, moms for a decade who have had a lot of them, so many challenges focused, um, centered around their birthing experience and postpartum recovery, but mine went really well. And I thought, why should I be just so lucky that I picked this right profession that helped prepare me for birth and postpartum? And I knew what to do. Everyone should have access to this information. It shouldn't just be Sarah, the pelvic floor physical therapist. And that's really when I started my Instagram account, The Vagina Whisper, just for my group of girlfriends who were asking me questions and they had started to hear about pelvic PT. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put that out there, this information out there, because I think everybody needs it and then they can refer back to it. And then the growth of my account and my platform has been so organic, but I also think it's a testament that people really want this information. Yes, of course. We we want that ability to feel good in our bodies, right? I mean, that's ultimately what we're talking about here is like, how can we feel at our best? Um, it's interesting when I think of you starting your platform from that position. And I believe I was in the same in the same position from the relationship perspective of, I know how to get out of these communication patterns. I know what we need to do next. I've been helping people in my office do this all the time. So how can I then start reaching more people so they could experience that in the postpartum period too, just knowing how hard it is. Okay, let's dispel this because I hear this all the time. There's two things I hear. One is, um, it's like the common mom joke of, I sneezed and I have to cross my legs. Um, it is common and it is a joke. And I think it's totally fine to chuckle and laugh because these can be really embarrassing, intimate issues. Um, and we don't want to make them, you know, that we can't talk about them. So again, I think normalizing the conversation is awesome. I think normalizing the problem of, hey, little leaks are just part of being a lady or leaking is normal as you get older or after having kids. I think that that's the narrative that I really work to change because one, I think we deserve better. I think we go through a huge physical, emotional, psychological transformation, and it's a bit of a sacrifice physically um, for our bodies. And I really think that we deserve better care afterwards to rehabilitate our bodies, to feel confident in our bodies, to be able to do the things we want to do, like go to drinks with a girlfriend and laugh and not wet our pants or go run a race because we love being outside and exercise has so many, you know, physical and mental health benefits or have intimacy um, and intercourse with our partner because connection is really hard after having kids. And I don't think we need other obstacles in the way of having sex, you know, after kids, like, and if pain is part of the problem, well, then let's address that. So I do think that these are, they're myths. I do think that not everyone leaks, but I do think that if you are leaking and you don't address it, or at least learn some strategies to prevent it from getting worse, research shows that it does get worse. And when we hit menopause and our 40s, 50s, we don't have that hormonal system to prop us up anymore. And we mm. see the increases in leakage get to where almost 50% of people over the age of 65 leak urine. And I'm like, I don't want that to be my destiny if I can help it. I love that. That's so empowering. Just how you said that, Sarah, like, you know, I don't want that to be my destiny of like being able to say today, like I can put that time and effort into myself, right? That this could be a priority and looking at it in the long run. Um, what, what are some of the mistakes, the common mistakes that people do when it comes to their bladder health? 
So I think one of the things, again, this goes back to kind of the things we've always been told is just to do your Kegels. So Kegels are pelvic floor contractions. So when we talked about this, you know, hammock of muscles that hold up your floor organ and they, you know, close to keep in urine and poop and um, relax to have intercourse and, and um, empty our tanks. One of the things is, you know, Kegels are strengthening exercises, but research clearly shows that 50% of people who are told to do Kegels with just by their physicians or given a brochure are not doing them correctly. And they could even be doing the exercise wrong, which can make their problems worse. So we're really doing people a disservice by just telling them do your Kegels because it's, it's like telling people with back pain to just go do crunches. Like there's so much more to it than just one thing and they could actually make their problems worse. The second thing is not everybody needs Kegel exercises. There are people who are weak and they need to do strengthening, which Kegels are maybe one part of that, but there are so many more exercises to do. But oftentimes people have tension and tension is what can also lead to incomplete bladder emptying, urinary frequency where you feel like you pee and then you have to pee again and then you have to pee again. You're going to the bathroom all the the time. Um, You have to push to empty your bladder urinary tract infections or um, burning during urination. So those are often bladder symptoms we see that are actually associated with tension. Mm -hmm. But if you do Kegels, again, it's going to make things worse. So we work more on relaxation and lengthening in that situation. Right. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah. So making sure that you understand what's happening for you and not just assuming that it's, it's just this one treatment method, which is it's definitely the mistake that people make when it comes to looking for treatments and what they can do next. And so I'm kind of getting the full picture of what does then that assessment look like when they meet with you. And I think the other piece too here is let's tie in the picture around pain and intercourse, because that is the other top question that so many women come with. What should people be considering or thinking about if they are experiencing pain during sex? So let's start with that one, the painful intercourse piece as, you know, one in four women will experience pain with intercourse at some point in their lifetime. So it's not uncommon, but again, this shouldn't be normal. If you have pain with your first attempt at intercourse when you are younger or after getting married, it can even happen later after giving birth or when you go into menopause because of a lot of hormonal changes or scar tissue from a perineal tear. So pain with intercourse um, is never normal and it's information about your body. It's not that there's something wrong with you. It's not that something's your fault. It just gives you information that, hmm, something's not quite right there. I'm going to pay attention to that. And it could be muscle tension. It could be scar tissue if you've had a cesarean birth or a vaginal birth with a tear and episiotomy. It could be vaginal dryness from hormonal changes like breastfeeding or taking birth control or heading into menopause. Um, It could be deeper issues like hip pain or back pain that are preventing you. So there's a lot of reasons for pain, but pain is never normal. And there's actually so much that you can do to help with it. Often that treatment protocol is based on what we find in your exam. So when we see people in our clinic, the first session is usually an hour. And we really just sit down and chat for 15 or 20 minutes to not just talk about either urinary leakage or painful intercourse, but ask questions about their menstrual cycles, their you know childbirth history, their pooping, their bladder habits, um, their job, their exercise routine. We want to get a really full picture as to are there any other pelvic floor symptoms going on we need to look at? And what are things that could be helping this or making it worse? And then the physical assessment is looking externally first. 
So you still have your clothes on at this point. And we may just kind of touch on your belly to see if there's any tension, look at your maybe cesarean scar, any abdominal scars you have, and then check the alignment of your pelvis um, and your hips. And then you'll lie on a, um, it's a mat, like a physical therapy mat. And that is typically when the therapist steps out and you get changed and you undress from the waist down. So pants and underwear are off, but you're covered with a sheet and you have like a little pad underneath for um, any lubricant or anything during the exam. And that's when we do the internal portion of the assessment. And that's a therapist inserting kind of a glove lubricated finger into the vaginal opening. And then we ask you to squeeze around our finger to test your muscle strength. That's a Kegel. We ask you to push your bear down to see how you, well you relax, if you have any prolapse. And then we press on the side walls of the vagina, which help us access that hammock of muscles to see if there's tension, trigger points, tenderness, or weakness. And then from that, we're able to say, okay, they need strengthening because they're weak, or actually there's a lot of tension and some pain symptoms here. We need to work on relaxation first. I want to add to this just so that people can hear it as well. Um, Thank you, Sarah. I think that is so helpful for people to know because there, I know sometimes it's that anxiety of, well, what's going to happen? What does this look like? How are they even going to be able to help me? And what I want to add to that also is that for people who are experiencing pain or discomfort during intercourse, that sometimes that referral is a, also a collaboration with a mental health care provider. So I've worked with other pelvic floor PTs um, around pain, uh, vaginismus, diagnosis, that kind of thing. So that can be a really collaborative approach between two healthcare providers so that, like you said, ultimately we can feel good because intimacy and sex is something that we want and desire and we want to feel good, not have to feel pain or um, not be able to take part in, in an experience that feels good. Totally. I mean, I think it's, it, it's not even should be, it, it, it kind of has to be like, I think that I often tell people that the physical component, what I am trained in, what I specialize in treating is one piece of the puzzle. And there's often several pieces of the puzzle we have to kind of put together to find your solution. And if you're a pelvic PT, I absolutely encourage, you know, pelvic, I mean, to find mental health professionals and psychologists in your area who you know your patients to because so much that comes up sessions and I am only trained on the physical part to help support them. I often, you know, have several amazing things that we refer to in our community, able to support this wholly. And I, you know, kind of only have one lane that I'm in. So it, it's such a huge piece. And often these symptoms go on for a long time before people are able to get help. And so um, I think it's definitely a, an important collaboration that needs to happen. Okay. You're a mom. So I know you can appreciate how busy life is. And one of the top things that I hear from moms in my community is there's just so much. How do I do this? How do I make time? How do like, what do you say to those moms who are really struggling to make time for themselves? I hear you. (laughs) I am the same way. And it's again, when my dentist is like, Sarah, you have to floss every night. I'm like, Oh my gosh. You know, and I have like (laughs) now, and I'm 40 now and I have a seven step skincare routine at night when in my twenties, I could just fall asleep with my makeup on. So, um, I think it total, I totally hear you. And I think there's a couple things that are important are that, um, one, you will come when you are ready. And I think that, you know, I definitely encourage everybody to check in with the pelvic PT if they can during pregnancy at six weeks postpartum, 
you know, but even for myself, I mean, I have two kids who were under two years of age, you know, they were babies at the same time. I didn't even go in and see a pelvic PT for myself until I was 18 months postpartum. I mean, I was in the trenches. So I think I just want people to know it is never too late, whether you are weeks, months, years, decades. Yeah. I'm at any season of life. It is never too late to get the help and support that you deserve. The second thing is that it doesn't have to be that much. I don't think that we need to sit around and do 2000 Kegels a day or work out for 45 minutes, seven days a week. Some of this is just 10 minutes, three times a week, or working it into workouts or routines that you already are doing, um, a walk that you take, a, um, a fitness routine that you're already doing, a yoga routine, a meditation. I mean, there are ways into what you're doing for a lot of the day. There's a ton of sitting exercises that you can do. And then on the other side, a lot of this is just making changes to things you already do, like teaching you how to poop properly, teaching you how to pee without pushing, um, you know, different things to help optimize intercourse, like using a water-soluble lubricant or kind of an all-natural moisturizer if you have dryness. Um, a lot of this may be a little bit heavy up front, a couple weeks of doing some more intensive therapy, but then after that, it comes, it does become just like flossing your teeth, like just a little bit of a maintenance or a habit. But I tell people, I'm like, we only get one pelvic floor take care of it. Again, I spend 10 minutes a night on my like skincare routine. I can probably spend 10 minutes a day on pelvic floor health. It's so interesting. I mean, don't tell my dentist. I am not flossing every day. I've given up pretending <laughs> that I do. I used to like pretend. I'm like, yes, of course I floss every day. Only floss three days before my appointment. Um, yeah, you know, it, it is really interesting when we think about what life looks like for, for us right now. And I, I, I always say that to moms. I hear you. I know life is so busy right now. And I also know that sometimes we make that choice to go to our phone. And if we're going to go to our phone and we need to numb out and scroll, I get it. And could you add something to that, right? So if you're trying to get movement, could you put the podcast in and go for the walk? Could you sit on the spin bike and do a bit of that scrolling? Could you, it's kind it's that, um, I love the, the, the tool of stacking and putting things together so that it doesn't feel like it's just one more thing on my to-do list. Um, and I always totally. like to say to moms, like just modeling to our kids, what it means to look after ourselves. Right. So if I'm in the bathroom doing my evening skincare routine, I'm telling the kids, this is my time. And I will be out when I'm, you know, in 10 minutes, I can't wait to sit with you for story time and all of those things that go with that. Okay. So Sarah, you have, some amazing online programs. Can you please tell us a little bit about what you offer so that people who are looking for something to be different can get that help? Yeah, thank you. So they, um, I just, you know, over a year ago, I created an online platform called The Vagina Whisper. So the website is thevaginawhisper.com. And it's, um, you know, it's a, a membership platform where I really offer um, pelvic floor exercises for, you know, all seasons of life. So whether you are pregnant or preparing for birth, whether you are postpartum, again, weeks, months, decades, there are kind of these bite-sized pelvic floor program exercise routines. They're 10 minutes, three times a week. So very digestible. I mean, I really made this for somebody like me. I'm a working mother, two kids. And uh, even if you're not working, it's just those are the harder days where you have no time away. And so I think that um, I was like, 
what could I do? Could I do 10 minutes three times a week? Totally. And so I really teach people about their pelvic floor, how to start connecting with it, how to start strengthening it. But then I also have a separate program for relaxation and pain because so many people really do have tension and they're experiencing painful intercourse or painful pelvic exams or um, tension in the area. And, you know, again, all there's out there is just a bunch of strengthening programs. So it's really important we help those folks kind of get the education and the stretching routines and the yoga and the breathing to also help. So um, it's on my website. We have a bunch of free like eBooks on there for um, pregnancy and pelvic floor health and just generally teaching people how to like take a poop, how to pee, how to lift things, all of these day-to-day pelvic health habits that can help prevent symptoms. And it's the things I teach to my kids. Like my kids know, put a stool under your feet when you're pooping. If you have to push, like blow through the straw so that you're not holding your breath. And if we're able to learn these tips ourselves now, I really feel like we can educate the next generation so that they're so much more informed than we were growing up about how to do these day-to-day things. Mm, I love that. We've recently graduated away from the stool in the bathroom so that the kids didn't like they don't need it to get onto the toilet and then I'm thinking okay so I'm gonna have to go revisit those lessons and make sure that (laughs) they have the stool back so that they know it's there for them and have all of the healthy things that that is one of my favorite videos of yours is when you show people if they're traveling what are all the things you can use for a stool when you're using the washroom okay what would be your and I think that would be like my number one tip from what I've learned from you, but what would be your number one tip for people to take away just to start putting into place today? Well, you probably just mentioned it. Well, I would say a couple. So one of them is to use a squatty potty or a little stool under your feet when you're pooping, because that helps relax your muscles so that you can empty better. If you've ever been to Asia or camping, all of, you know, you're often in a squatting position and that helps relax your pelvic floor. So doing something simple like that can really help just empty your bowels better so that you're not straining. Straining can lead to pelvic floor weakness or prolapse or hemorrhoids over time. The other thing is not pushing when you pee. I think that we have trained ourselves to pee as quickly as possible because we are so fast paced. And as moms, I think we're so notorious for doing this, but when you're peeing, you should really be relaxing and not pushing. Your bladder is a muscle that pushes the pee out for you. So all you need to do is sit instead of hovering over the toilet, sit, take a couple deep breaths and breathe and let your bladder push the urine out for you. If you're pushing one, it could weaken your pelvic floor muscles. And two, you may not empty all the way. And that's when we get into that habit of having to go more frequently. So if there's any two changes people make, I think those two are the, the top one and two. Those, those are so helpful. Okay. I am going to put your links on this episode on the website and for everyone listening, please go check out Dr. Sarah's work. I know you are offering such powerful, affordable and accessible resources for people, because if there's one thing I know, it is hard to make that time as a mom to get out there and look out, look after you. So Dr. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Tracy, for having me. To find out more about Dr. Sarah, please check out the links in the show notes. And I would love to hear from you. Leave me a review, click the stars, send me a DM on Instagram. Let me know how today's episode landed. And of course, if there's a topic that you're looking to be covered on the podcast or a guest that you want to recommend, send that to me by email or through DMs on Instagram. I'm over there being social and it's at Dr. Tracy D. Until next time, take good care of you and I will see you next week. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider.
Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.